You are getting sleepy, very sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. Right, my darling? Yes, dear. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. You will not dislodge the hose and blast air all about the bedroom. You will not wake me, your loving husband, who yearns for even a single night of uninterrupted slumber. Please. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. Inspire treats the root cause of sleep apnea inside your body. While you sleep, Inspire keeps your airway clear so you can breathe normally and rest comfortably. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit inspiresleep.com to learn more. Inspire, sleep apnea innovation. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at inspiresleep.com. Hi, this is Bethany Finger, and you are listening to a Prince Kai Fam Pod bonus episode. Enjoy! That fool of a fairy Lucinda did not intend to lay a curse on me. She meant to bestow a gift. When I cried inconsolably through my first hour of life, my tears were her inspiration. Shaking her head sympathetically at Mother, the fairy touched my nose. My gift is obedience. Ella will always be obedient. Then I'm glad I can, like, see your face. Right? Caster was like... Being a butthole. So, <laughs> so, if you're listening, hello. Welcome to a special bonus episode. I'm Bethany. And I'm Ashley. This is Prince Guy Fan Pod, and we're <laughs> going to have a special bonus episode about Ella Enchanted by Gail Carson Levine, which just celebrated its 25th anniversary, which is mind-boggling to me. I actually read the 25th anniversary version. It's so beautiful, too. It's such a beautiful cover. It's such a good, like, book. I actually, mm-hmm. um, I was on the wait list for it for, like, a week after you told me. To, <laughs> or asked me to go to go read it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll read it, and I'll come and, and do the, the podcast with you. And <laughs> uh, I, w- I was looking at her other works, and I saw Ferris, and I was like... Well, I'm gonna go read that instead, and I'll listen to that one. And, and it was it was awesome. She's such a good writer. She is. It's interesting because I like vividly remember the first time I read this. I was in, I want to say seventh grade. Yeah. So I would have been eleven, eleven or twelve. Yeah. Something like that. How old are you in seventh grade? Minus one because I skipped third grade. I, I, I'm not a good good reference on that because I got I held back in second grade. <laughs> so, like, I'm not the right person for this. Right? So, yeah, I remember I was, like, I had just got done reading something. Oh, I think it was Crush by Ellen Conford. She was basically, like, the Meg Cabot of the 80s and the 70s. So she was just tons and tons of, like, two to 300 pages of just, like, random teen drama. Like, they're, yes. they're the best. It's, like, honestly... It's so much fun to read them because I feel like teen books now are just like vampire this or dystopia that or, you know, there's just so much going on that's like real actual drama. So yeah. it's kind of fun to just read a book where it's like, I like this boy and he likes my best friend and it's super annoying or like, 
one of them one of them like her parents are getting divorced and she like has to figure out which parent she wants to live with and it's like it's just like normal typical drama and I think it's really interesting to get dropped into that world so I read like a bunch of her books and then I was drowning in reader's drought yeah okay because I just didn't know what to like touch next I didn't know what to read next and my librarian Beth Glenn love her she recommended Gail Carson Levine and I actually read Ellen Enchanted first and that is what started my obsession with fairy tale retellings an obsession that still exists today 20 obviously (laughs) so so, we have Miss Carson Levine to thank for the podcast honestly because I never would have read Cinder without reading Ella Enchanted so so my first introduction to it was the movie and I, ha- I this is the first time that I read the book because of you. And I had been wanting to read it because every time that I came over to your house, you're like, you need to read this book. You need to read this yeah. book. And I'm like, I know I need to read this book. <laughs> and so finally I did it because, well, the thing that the reason why is because I had time, honestly. Yeah. I finally yeah. had I finally have had the time to just sit down and legit inhale books. I inhaled it. I had it probably for two days, or I I sat down and I read it in two days. Because what I haven't told you is that I've been reading the Princess Diary books, and I've been listening <gasps> yeah! to those. <laughs> oh my god, the audiobooks are so much fun, too. See, talk about, like, teenage angst, right? Like, yeah. Okay, yes, she's a secret princess, and that's kind of its own dramatic thing. But, like, a lot of it is, like, dealing with rumors and fighting with your best friend and having a crush on your best friend's brother. What are you supposed to do about that? Your parents getting divorced, your mom remarrying, getting a brother, like, a new baby brother when you're, like, 17 years old. Like, there's just so much that happens in those books that's, like, real legitimate concerns that teenagers have. And I forgot how much I loved Meg Cabot because I remember Dear reading, her. I remember reading the uh, How to Be Popular book, and uh-huh. that's gonna be my next one. So I'm gonna go through all of her books. I also like Pans on Fire is a good one, and one that I think you'll really like is Jinx, which is about a okay. girl who doesn't know she's a witch. Okay, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. gonna probably enjoy and that. And then there's also um, the Abandoned trilogy, which is really good. And it is a Persephone and Hades retelling. Yes, I'm going to love it. Yeah. Okay. You're really going to like that one. Laura Olympus is one of my favorite web comics right now. (laughs) You should read it. You're going to love it. I actually made, I made Brandon read it. And he's like, like, I know what's going to happen in the story. Cause I understand, like, I know the lore, but it's pretty good. It's still good to find out how you how you get to that point though. But it's it's so pretty. Like the webcomic's so pretty. Webcomics are so beautiful. I think sometimes like webcomics and graphic novels and comic books, like you can kind of absorb the story without even having to to actually read. That's what I tell a lot of like parents and teachers that are against webcomics or um comic books or graphic novels I'm like you don't understand kids that are reluctant to read don't even have to read do you have any idea how much like imagination and creativity it takes to fill in the blanks on a story based on nothing but the pictures you're looking at like yeah this is an incredible experience and some of the artwork is just it blows my mind how much how far digital art has come yeah I mean 
like I, I'm looking back. You can't see it, but I have I've got bookshelves everywhere. I've got a bookshelf over there. I got my altar that's set up for you over there. <laughs> On, on top of a bookshelf, which is all yeah. of my like oh, religious actually, stuff. Actually, I feel really special with that. <laughs> yes. I have to go light the candle uh, later on. And then, and I have to go and find, I gotta go find one of the pillar candles, the prayer candles. Because <laughs> right now it's just a white pillar candle. Right. But I'm sending all my good vibes to you. Thank and then you. I have another one over there that's got all my... It's got it's got weird books over there, and then also <laughs> like I'm looking over there. I say it's weird books, but it's just books that don't have like a, a home yet. Yeah. So like Scarlet Cress is over there, and then like there's a Harry there's a Star Wars book over there, and then my Saga book is over there, which is too heavy for me to to hold. Don't you love and hate that like yeah. <laughs> I think I've told you about this. Yeah, it's like it hurts your thumbs, right? Thumbs like when you're and constantly... then my wrists. Yeah. So that's why I'm, I love my Kindle. Everybody always makes fun of me for loving my Kindle, but I'm like, it's I like eight yeah. ounces. It's eight ounces compared to this monstrosity of a book. I love Kindles and I love books and I love audiobooks. And I think if you're absorbing a book or a story, it doesn't matter what the format is. I have a Kindle. No. Quentin bought me a Kindle several years ago. And I was kind of against it before I got one. And now it's very handy. It's easy to check out books. Yes. Because I don't have to worry about like driving it back. It's also easy when I get like an ARC copy because a lot of um, early reader copies are now digital. Okay. And it's easier to read it on my Kindle than my phone. And then when I travel, like when I go on a plane and visit you, it's much easier to bring like 50 books on my Kindle that bring actual hardbound books, yeah. create space for all these actual books. So I do enjoy both of them. Now, I will say I am going to have to rely a lot more on my Kindle in the future because Quentin bought me these absolutely gorgeous bookshelves. They're beautiful. He bought me five of them. Yeah. And, uh, they look beautiful and they are almost full. Like there's room for like maybe 50 I'm- more books and then we're done. I'm not surprised that your bookshelves are almost <laughs> finished. Like I've right? seen your book, your books, bookshelves when you were back in Mississippi. I know how I know. And they, even then they were like, <laughs> there was a few stacked on the floor, well, stacked here, stacked there. So my bookshelf over here has two. I have a bookshelf I, have to, I need to put together, but I've got two layers of books and it's only going to get worse with Brandon because he's also a reader. Yeah. Luckily, Quentin doesn't do that. <laughs> We're ju- we're both readers and it's yeah. I know that I'm still going to get books, you know, especially like if it's a collector's edition or anything for Marissa, I'm probably going to buy it. Yeah, absolutely. But I will limit myself and it helps that there's not a Books a Million nearby because Books a Million has if you have a Books a Million near you, um, give yourself an hour and go there and go to their bargain section because oh. their bargain section will have brand new books for like three to five dollars yep. and they'll be hardcover and they'll be in great condition and you can walk around there for like an hour and just like grab 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 and it's it's addicting it really is so I'm yeah. glad I don't have one here though so it saves me a little bit of money <laughs> you know okay so the Tuesday I went out with friends Speaking about books, we're totally on a random random tangent. Welcome to an episode with Bethany and yeah, Ash. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always a random tangent with us. We never stay on topic. But I went out with some friends um, 
from Keesler. You remember the klutzes. Yes. Yeah, so I went out with dinner with them because Klutz is stationed a little north of me and his wife is TDY here. And uh, we went out to dinner in downtown and there is a bookstore and bar. Oh my gosh. It's like perfect. It's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, a bookstore and bar is pretty cool. When you come visit, there's a bookstore here called the Writer's Block and it has a cafe with like coffee and little sandwiches and croissants and baked goods and stuff. And all of their genres are separated and they're like individually decorated. So like the horror section has like birds and daggers and like the sci-fi section will have like little spaceships and the supernatural section has like bats and little vampires and little like werewolf figurines and the young adult section has a bunny and you can feed him oh my goodness favorite bunny in the world he's a big fat one too i love it and there's like a huge fake lemon tree there for no reason but it's, it's just, it's so much fun just like walking around and trying to absorb all the tiny details of yeah. how they decided to create them. So when you come visit, that's one of the yeah. places I'll take you for sure. For sure. I, yeah. mm, yes. I love it. Yes. Speaking of, speaking of coming to visit and friendship and not being able to stay on topic, <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we have a very cool email that I'm actually, I'm kind I'm super excited about it. I was, I read it. I got it like literally last night. Yeah? Yeah. Like I was going to bed and I was like checking my email before I got off my computer and it was there. And I was really excited because I was like, this is very serendipitous because this person has no idea, but Ashley and I are actually recording together (laughs) tomorrow. (laughs) So this email is from Jason. It says, hi, Bethany. And in parentheses, it says, and hopefully Ash question mark. (laughs) Perfect. I love it. My name is Jason, and I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I love getting to listen to every episode. And my favorite part is the housekeeping at the beginning, which thank you, because a lot of people skip that part. (laughs) So I'm glad at least somebody listens to it. I love getting insight into who our host is on and off mic and listening to people talk about their everyday lives. My question is not related to TLC specifically, but to you too. You and Ash clearly have great chemistry when recording together, and I think it's obvious you have a strong friendship and genuinely get each other. (laughs) How do you maintain such a great friendship, and what do you think is the key to a good friendship? Hope you read this on air and can't wait for your response. Don't get glamored. Lieutenant Jason, and in parentheses it says, but only because Thorn beat me for captain. <laughs> but I love, I love this it. email. Thank yeah. you, Jason, for sending it. Definitely. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Yeah. I was, when I went to go get my water before we started recording, I read it. I read it really fast because you know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> I read really, really fast. I inhale things. Yes. But I. I was thinking about it. And I was like, you know, I think for me, you and I spent a lot of time together mm-hmm. when I was stationed down in Biloxi. You were probably, you were my closest friend down there. You just kind of grew to be one of my best friends overall because we have so much in common. It's honestly because of your husband. 
he's he's yeah. the reason why <laughs> like we have to we have to contribute this the, our whole entire relationship to quentin because he's he's the reason why we're quentin friends set us up yeah. <laughs> but i was thinking about it i was like i think it's because my background of being a military brat all those mm-hmm. years is that like i would leave like i've I have so many friends across the United States and that I had to pick up and leave, but no matter what, we can always just sit down together wherever we are and pick up just where we left off. And there's no hard feelings. Um, there's no degradation to our, our relationship. That's just who I am as a person. And so I think that's, that's part of it. And then um, we just check up on each other a lot. Like we, we, we talk a, a fair bit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know your opinion on it. I mean, I agree with all of that. I think, and I'm sure people are going to be like, oh, we get it, Bethany. But I really do think communication is important. And I think learning how to listen to the other person is important. There's, There's two types of listening. There's listening to respond and listening to understand. And I think it's important to know the difference between the two and when it's appropriate to use them. So like listening to respond is what we're doing right now. We're engaging in an active conversation. So Mm -hmm. we're thinking about what the other person says and how we can contribute to that conversation. Listening to understand would be more specific. So like if I called you and I was upset about something or you called me and you were upset about something, that's where you listen to understand. That's where you put your responses on the back burner and you listen to what the other person is saying and you try to understand where they're coming from and what, and what you might be able to do to help them, what they might need from you uh, in that moment. So I would say, and that I think goes for relationships in general, like outside of friendship, any relationship I think requires that. Um, So yeah, I just, I genuinely, I think the most important thing to any relationship is learning how to properly communicate with that person, not just like overall, but like with that person. Cause I talk to you differently than I talk to Quentin, right? So yes. And I talk to you differently than I talk to anyone. Like right. everybody has their own special, how you specially talk to them. Mm-hmm. I think you and I also, I don't know if people would follow our conversations if they listen to us re- because, because I think when you and I talk, we, we have the tangents. Yes. But like, we know where we're going with the tangent and we know how to get back to where the tangent started. And I we don't do. think that everyone would follow that when we're talking. Well, and I think that somebody might see that we're kind of rude when we try to go back yeah. to our tangent, because a lot of times you and I know how to get back to it and be like, okay, we need to get back on topic. We've been mm-hmm. talking about this Chili bunny that you fries. feed. <laughs> yes, yeah, cheese fries, this bunny that you feed. at this at this place for like 30 minutes we need to get back on topic because we got we got to do (laughs) but like somebody might see that as rude but for you and I that's not rude because we're just getting back on topic because we understand Mm -hmm. that you know we're here to do something or like even just some of our conversations somebody might might see that as rude but honestly we're we I don't know we don't get offended that way because we understand each other at a different level it's also understanding you I think also there's 
it depends on what form of communication you like. Personally, when I'm talking to people, I love affirmation. So I like when I'm talking and somebody says, mm-hmm, or yeah, or like they get what I'm saying. Because otherwise, I feel like I have to keep explaining. Yeah. You know? Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if there's like a, I don't know if there's a key to friendship. I think that it's really just about finding a person that you can be like your weird self with. You know? Absolutely. That. Be your weird self with and not have to worry about offending them. Or like them making fun of you. Like like when I tell people I like Taylor Swift and they make fun of me. Or, you know, when I'm like, oh, I love Hillary Duff or I love Twilight or I love this. And people, are, you know, they make fun of me for it. I'm like, well, you're not my friend. Why would you make me feel bad about something that makes me happy? Yeah. Because even when you say that, I'm like, it's it's what you're into. Yeah. And it's okay if we're into different things. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't particularly listen to Taylor Swift. Now, if she right. comes onto the radio, do I know all the words to her songs? Yes. And that's because of you. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I could be jamming out at, at Target. Right. <laughs> listening. And it's the same thing, though. Like, I think that I think that people sort of get, they get stuck in their ways, you know, especially like the way that we grew up, there was this sort of, um, now I think that generations are all about be yourself, take Mm. care of your mental health, prioritize who you are, find those people. I feel like when we were teenagers, the big thing was do what everybody else is doing. Yep. There was no concept of mental health. There was no concept of accept yourself for who you are. Even like movies and TV shows and books from that time, there were constant stories of like, you know, change yourself to get attention. How many movies were there when we were teenagers about like the girl getting a makeover and now everybody likes her? Yeah. Or the guy joined a... The the guy joins a sports team and now everybody wants to be his friend. Like... And that stuff has like its time and place, but I feel like at that time, if you liked something that other people didn't like, you knew you were going to get made fun of for it. And you knew yep. you were going to ostracize yourself because of it. And so it was really easy to compartmentalize and keep certain parts of yourself separate from yeah. other people. And I think, very luckily, <laughs> uh, current generations are a little bit more accepting of one another. It's, it seems that way, especially in like the literature. Like if you, mm-hmm. I know you read the the young adults, and I've actually been reading a lot more young adults because they're. It sounds silly, but there's no sex in them. Right. <laughs> and it's it's kind of refreshing. <laughs> I just read all of I just read all of the Suki Stackhouse books. They're great books. But I'm like, I skip all that stuff, girl. I, I know just you do. read The Love Hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. So good. But there's like a good entire chapter of like adult content, and I just skipped it. It got to a part where it was like hand on a hip or whatever, and I was like, oh, they're going to do it. And then I just like skipped pages. <laughs> and then it was like the next day, and I was like, all right, that's where I start up again. Oh, I love so. That. I definitely get it. <laughs> yeah, it was just, I don't know, it's just what I'm in the mood for right now. I just want something, mm-hmm. I don't know, I wanted something different. I think that's why I like romance books, is because, you know, there's going to be, like, drama, but nobody's going to die. The world is not going to blow up. The emperor is not going to take over. Like, <laughs> the drama is going to be, like, some big miscommunication, because that's what yeah. it always is. 
Oh my goodness. I have to shout out this person. Let me, let me get on Instagram and see what their name was because it made me so happy. This, this person, I need to see it. Hold on. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) this person's name is EK period reads period books. And they posted their notes for reading winter. And one of the pages, it was like, my happy place <laughs> says, or we could just communicate with each other and save ourselves the entire book. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I could explain, like, every rom-com ever to exist in the world. Yo. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which one did I just read? I just read... Oh, crap. Was it Party Princess? Oh, I love Party Princess! Where she's, she's like... Got issues. <laughs> she got issues in every book. But it's the one where she's like, Michael wants to do it? Boys want to do it? Is that the one? Which one is yeah, that one? she's like freaking out because... See, and that's one of the things that I love because like, while it's entertaining to listen to teenagers deal with having to overthrow a government... Most teenagers are going to deal with the peer pressure of underage drinking and underage smoking and um, how far you're supposed to go in a relationship. Yeah. And those are the peer pressures that they need tools to get through. Yep. But I love her mom. Her mom's like, do you want to go to the doctor and talk about this stuff? Do you want to talk about it with me? Her mom's just so open and <laughs> it's know. such a big feminist. And I'm like, I wish I had that as a mom growing up. You don't want kids to get an STD or to get pregnant or to get hurt. And so educating them at least a little bit on how to protect themselves, I think that's important. Now, keep in mind, I don't have any kids. I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) We have life experiences that can help help guide them on the right path of not getting hurt. Speaking of not getting hurt and going down a specific path, Ella... Ella, yes. Oh my goodness. Ella goes down several paths throughout this book, and she gets hurt a lot. And she... I don't know. My favorite part is at the beginning when she punches the girl, though. I will say that, like... <laughs> I was, not that I condone violence, listeners. I do not. But it was just really funny that, like, her friend was mean to her, and she just, like, punched her in the face. Yep. I... Uh... <laughs> honestly like I feel so bad for her because Mm -hmm. of this gift of obedience and so again I was introduced to Lucinda through Ferris because Lucinda so Lucinda is she gives a magic mirror to one of the characters is Ferris the one where she sings? Yeah, it is the one where she sings. Okay, that's it's, what I thought. And if, honestly, don't read that book. You should go listen to it. It's go, so good to listen to it. All the singing is phenomenal. Yep. And I actually listened to that one on regular speed. Nice. Which is weird, because right now I'm listening to a Star Wars book on 1.7, and it is fast. I was, like, addicted to 2 and 2.25, and then I started listening to... The Bloodline series, which is a wonderful series by Rochelle Mead that you should read. And (laughs) just because the main character is a witch, and I think you would really like that. Yeah, Um, I would. (laughs) 
But I, for some reason, I was just like, I want to enjoy this a little bit more. And so I slowed it down to 1.5. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's, I mean, so like I said, this, it was good. I wish I would have listened to Ella Enchanted because I had both versions. I had the ability to listen to it, but I wanted to read it. I read it at The benefit of listening to it is the languages. Yeah. Because there's a lot of different spoken languages. And I think one of them doesn't have any vowels. Yeah. Which so it's that very one? difficult. Is that the orc to, one? Yeah. So it's like very difficult to, to read across a page. But the the limitation of the audiobook is that her voice doesn't change as she gets older. Mm. So yeah. teenage Ella. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Still has the voice of child Ella, and it makes those chapters a little bit more difficult to absorb. Um, From a personal perspective, because everybody's going to have a different um, opinion when they read books and listen to books. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, what were your thoughts, though, like reading this, especially um, since you watched the movie? I liked the book more. Mm-hmm. Which it, I was, it's kind of like one of those weird tests. Because normally I read the book first and mm-hmm. then I go through it. Or I, yeah, I read the book first and then I watch it. And this is the second one, second one, second test, second time that I've done this. Um, the first time was my Suki Stackhouse books. I've actually mm-hmm. watched all of the True Bloods before. I prefer the books of those. And normally I prefer the books no matter what. This also, I preferred the book. I felt like it was more in depth. Um, she goes through and does a lot, a lot more. Um, she's able to manipulate her gift and I say that with quotation marks better <laughs> in the book than what we see yeah. on the screen I also felt like the movie was one a completely different concept than the books yeah they they basically kept the names and the concepts that she had this gift that controlled her but everything else was different but I always felt like the movie was like a poor man's Shrek oh my goodness yeah with really pretty people and don't get me wrong they are very attractive people I love that the actor from Princess Bride was like randomly in there. That just made me really happy. <laughs> but I think that if you read the books, you'll understand that they're they're two different stories. So I don't necessarily think you can compare them and say like one is better than the other because they're just they're so different that it's like they're just different stories. I feel like you can learn more from the book too than the movie. Yeah. Like the the book has more more growth to it. I also didn't like that in the movie we don't get that background of Ella and the prince. Yeah, they just kind of meet and fall in love and and in this book they're like childhood friends. friends. Like yeah. they've they've known each other since pretty much her mother's funeral. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really important. Um not that you can't fall in love quickly or yeah. instantaneously, because it does happen. But I think that there's a movie trope of, of the, the three days, right? Like they meet, they have a weekend together, then they're going to get married. And I think in books especially, you just have so much more space. Yeah. So you can take the time to 
not have it in three days. You can have it in uh, like seven or eight years, I think, is the time span of this book. So, and there's a there's a genuine fondness that grows between the both of them mm -hmm. that develops into love. And Char is a real character. Like in yeah. the, in the movie, I feel like his job is to be influenced by Ella, right? Like mm -hmm. he like Ella has these great ideas about the future. Char doesn't really care about his job and Ella influences him to take his job more seriously and care about the future. That's like his role in the movie. Whereas yeah. in the book, Char takes his job very seriously. Mm -hmm. He has spent his whole life preparing to be a leader. He's intimidated by the concept, but he knows and cares about his people. And he often will ask Ella for advice, but she's not influencing him in the same way. She's not like, why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? Or why don't you yeah. care about this? You know, instead he like, he writes her those letters and she gives him um, her opinion and they kind of come to those decisions in a more organic way. Yeah. Yeah. If anything that I said made sense. It makes sense to me. Yeah. It's, it, it goes back to, I think this, the question that you, you, we had at the very beginning with the listener, Jason, Lieutenant Jason. Yeah. Comes back to it. Love it. Yes. Lieutenant Jason. Lieutenant Jason. <laughs> Everybody's relationship is different and theirs was built on, on a friendship that turned into into love and mm -hmm. they came to their like you said their solutions very organically and that's i mean that's how you be friends is you're compromising i think we can see very early on in their friendship that what we talked about before where sometimes you meet people and you really connect with them and it doesn't matter you know how much time goes in between con communication or seeing each other because throughout this book, they are separated a lot yeah. and their main communication is writing each other letters, which is very sweet. Very sweet. I love that. They're just like writing each other letters. I think it's adorable. And so I think that that's, it, it goes back to what you said earlier about sometimes in friendship, it's okay if you like can separate yourself for a few weeks or a few months and come back to it and everything is still the same. It's, yeah. It's yeah. part of being an adult too. Like sometimes Yeah. Sometimes life takes you in random places and you either, you know, you get cast halfway across the world from your friend or your <laughs> your significant other or you know, you have you have to go take care of yourself mm -hmm. and being able to come back to that friendship like like they did like we have um like that I've done throughout my entire life like that's that's what makes it that that's what takes it from a basic friendship to more of that closer bond I think else. that's what takes it from friendship to found family I like that yeah that's good can we talk about one of my most annoying issues at the beginning of the book is yes Ella, you need food to be alive. What are you doing? Oh my goodness. She is constantly like, people are like, well, if you do this and no more food. And she's like, fine, I don't need to eat anyways. Girl, yes, you do. Are you for real? There I get that you have an attitude, like I understand, but I'm getting like secondhand hunger strike trauma. <laughs> she went how long without food? Like 48 I hours? Or it was 
I I want to say it was like two or three. Da- was it like two or three days? Yeah, I was gonna say forty eight hours, yeah, but I think it was maybe like you're... almost three days, and I was like, "What is happening?" And like, I'm, I get hungry if I don't eat it like a couple hours. <laughs> I I practiced intermittent fasting in the past, so like I can go. I think the longest I went without food was twenty six hours. Um, but I trained my body to be able to do that. I didn't just randomly stop eating for 26 hours. Like I started with like a four hour fast and then an eight hour fast. And then I worked my way up. Also, I'm one of those people, like if I don't eat, I get really nauseous and I'll get dizzy and I'll get lightheaded. So three days and she's still like doing stuff. She's still like walking around and stuff. I'm like, I would never be able to like concentrate or talk to people or. I, I'd i be so angry. Yeah. I get very, very angry when I don't eat. And with my, my Concerta, I get, it's an appetite suppressant so that I won't eat at all. And then if I'm having any type of stressful situation, I won't eat at all. So they're What's like. Con- I'm looking up Concerta right now. It's a Ritalin. Oh. Yeah, so it's for it's for my ADHD. Okay. It's yeah. And so when I when I take it, I have to I have to tell myself it's a task that I have to eat and then it'll good things will happen if I eat. My thing with eating is usually well, I've been pretty transparent, I think, on the podcast about having an eating disorder. Um and I know you and I have talked at great length about like relationships yeah. with food and stuff, but like for me, eating is my choice. Yeah. And I like to eat. I want to eat. And so in this scenario, I feel like that choice has been taken away from her. And that's all of her choices really get taken away from her. That's true. When you look at it, everything that she could ever do, like her mother's ring or her mother's necklace, sorry, her mother's necklace gets taken away from her. Um all the way down to the point, I mean, it is a Cinderella retelling. Right. Her ability to live with the rest of the family gets taken away from her. Yeah. You pretty much, this gift is a curse for that reason. Like, she has no, no willpower. She's not in charge of her own destiny. Yeah. And I think that that's what makes it interesting for a Cinderella retelling, for any book, really, that entire concept of having no free will. But I think it makes it really interesting for a Cinderella retelling that it's not that she's like a maid. It's not that she's, you know, mystery. I mean, she is, but like, that's not like the main character component. It's not that she has to overcome being a maid who's mistreated so that she can get married. It's that she has to overcome this curse that has manipulated and controlled every aspect of her life since the day she was born. Yeah. So I feel like that kind of takes it to another level besides it just being a Cinderella retelling. Cause you could take out the elements of the Cinderella portion of this book. And I think you would still have a very good story. Yeah. I, I mean, I've liked it since I watched the movie as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it was a book until I met you. <laughs> and I've been meaning to read it. So I'm finally, I'm very grateful that I finally read it. Me too. I really like, this is one of those books that I, eventually when I 
go thrifting, I will find it on the on the door or not on the door on the shelf, and I'm gonna grab it and I'm gonna read it to my kids. Yeah, Goodwill especially, and it'll be like a dollar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's where mine came from. Oh no, mine came from the bookstore I used to work at, but it says seventy five cents, so less than a dollar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that it's a a timeless story in that way too, because one of the things that makes fairy tales timeless is the the concept. And one of the reasons that certain books are not going to be timeless is the time frame. So a lot of books that are, uh, especially from the 2000s, that are dystopic especially, they're not necessarily going to be timeless. And I don't mean that, that, that it's not like a good book or good literature. I mean, that in like 150 years, there's going to be some components of that book that just don't translate to new generations. Whereas this is told in a perspective you know a time frame that happened yeah hundreds of years ago it's not going to be like oh well the future came and went and that never happened like back to the future right Mm -hmm. you watch it now and you're like none of that happened yeah so it's it's not exact it's not entirely timeless because that illusion sort of is broken just by the concept of time continuing after the film was made Mm -hmm. yeah I'm trying to think of, like, my other dystopian books. Like, 1984. I'd almost... Like, even though it's 1984, it's still kind of slightly timeless book. I think what makes it timeless is if you're vague. Yeah. And it is. Which is why Isaac Asimov is timeless, right? Because it's vague. He doesn't mm-hmm. specify... What's a good example? Okay, okay. Cinder, that series, mm-hmm. timeless. Why? It's vague. It's vague about the exact country or continent. It's vague about how many years into the future it is. It's vague about what caused all of the wo- the wars. It's vague about yeah. how these governments are run. And so you can sort of insert anything into those times and it'll be okay. Yep. The Selection series, which is a series I absolutely loved, it is not vague. It's extremely specific. And okay. that's what's going to make it not timeless. Because people are going to look at that and they're going to be able to identify, well, according to this book, this happened in this year. This happened in this location in the United States. This happened because of this interaction with another country outside of the United States. Like, So you're looking at something that's so specific that if it doesn't come to pass during those years, it's going to feel um, um, just like disrupted, I guess. Yeah. Disrupted historical timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Be interesting. I think that's what makes Ella timeless mm-hmm. because, and not just Ella enchanted, but the Cinderella concept, a young girl who's orphaned and is forced to live with a family that doesn't love and accept her has to be able to overcome that, move on and find joy and happiness in her life. That is timeless. That concept can be twisted and manipulated no matter mm-hmm. the setting, no matter the time frame, no matter the people, the gender, the the socio backgrounds, all of it can be adapted and those core elements can still be there. You can redo you can redo Cinderella everywhere. I also mm-hmm. I just got the thought in my head. Did you enjoy the fact that Lucinda gave her dad a gift and her stepmom? I really did. I laughed so hard. Because I think a lot of these like a lot of stuff doesn't have a comeuppance and it's disappointing. There's a movie called It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, a classic. So It's a Wonderful Life 
has probably been redone a bajillion times, but it's about a man who's overwhelmed at Christmas time and wishes that he didn't have a family because his life would just be so much easier if he didn't. And the whole movie is him experiencing a life if he really didn't have a family and realizing that his family is important to him and how he finds his way back to his family. And I think that concept has been redone a million times since then, right? Mm. But there is a concept in film and books. It's called confronting evil. Okay. There's like 10 awards that It's a Wonderful Life was nominated for and lost because they never confronted evil. There's a scene in the movie, spoiler alert, there's a scene in the movie where the uncle loses money from the bank and that's what starts this whole catalyst. And the big bad guy in town finds the money and uses it. And nothing ever happens to the bad guy. He never gets punished. No one ever finds out what he did. There's no comeuppance. He just has that money and uses it for gain and lives the rest of his life happy. And because of that, this movie was denied several awards because in stories, we want to confront evil, overcome evil, or have a redemption for evil. And I think that that Lucinda's role in this book, providing the other characters with retribution for their misdeeds, that's that's Gail Carson Levine. That's her confronting the evil of this story. This is a very roundabout way. It was, but I appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciated the journey of it because it made sense. It made it make sense to me. She. I thought it was funny. I thought it was ironic, right? Yeah. Like that, you know, the evil stepmom, she kind of got what was coming to her. Yeah. Like that Lucinda was like, and you guys will love each other for the rest of your lives. And the dad's like, uh, what? Because the dad's so self-centered throughout the entire book. And the stepmom also is the same way. They're two peas in a pod. They're, they're very self-centered about what, what they want. We see that with, with uh, Ella's book where she's able to read the letters like that, that her stepmom is giving to the, to her two daughters. Yeah. And how, you know, she goes on for more than half the page that she wrote to, to the girls about what she's wearing and what she's doing and stuff. Well, and we see that reflected in the daughters. Yes. How to especially. Mm-hmm. how how to interact even just our first meeting with her where she's bragging about like everything she could possibly brag about in her life yeah and then their obsession with uh with um food and delicacies in the beginning as well yeah yeah and she so it was it was funny that lucinda gives them this gift of loving each other when they're so self-centered like they're not capable of loving another person anyways. So. And then and then they like kind of get around it by just not being around each other. It works, I guess. You got to you got to learn to live with your your flaws or whatever. Yeah. I think that while we're on the subject of like Hada and the stepsisters and the step family, I think a common is trope the right word? A common refrain especially now in retellings is to make at least one of the stepsisters or mother redeemable. Yeah. Do you think that Olive is redeemable? Obviously it's not Hada or Dame Olga. So it would have to be I, Olive, right? Yeah, I don't I don't think so. 
Because she was still very manipulative, even if she was a little bit... Dumber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was... I think, I think she was just really easy to influence, but yeah. um, that doesn't make her crimes innocent. No. Like, yeah. she... She did know what she was doing. Mm-hmm. I think she was a product of her environment. And if she was pulled out of that environment, she could be better. It's like we talked about earlier, right? With like peer pressure, when you're afraid yeah. to be yourself, you become the other people around you, whether those people are are good or bad or whether those people share the same moral compass as you. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, yeah I think that goes back to what we talked about earlier with peer pressure influencing our personalities i don't know if she would do it on her own i don't think that she would do it on her own however i don't think that she's and i don't mean this as a bad thing but like i don't think that she has a lot of personality i think if hada wasn't influencing who she was then whoever else was in her life would be influencing who she was Mm mm-hmm I think that she bases a lot of who she is on the people around her and what their expectations of her are. So like you said, being a product of her environment, if she spent her whole childhood spending time with Ella, she would probably be more like Ella. Whereas yeah. if Hada spent her whole childhood with Ella, she would still be Hada. Mm-hmm. She's, um, she's very much a follower. Yes. And I think that that's, that's probably what makes her one of the most tragic characters in this book, especially because nobody talks about her. Nobody acknowledges her. Um, You know, she's just the stepsister and she's not even the most uh, popular in terms of like how much uh, page time she gets. But. um, And that maybe is why she is the way she is because she wants that acknowledgement in her life, but nobody ever gives it to her. And I think that she'll, and that's probably what makes it so sad is that she'll probably spend her whole life trying to achieve that instead of like seeking uh, acceptance and affirmation from within, she'll probably spend her whole life looking for it outside of herself. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's probably the most tragic ending of this book. Yeah. Yeah. And it's overlooked because I don't think anybody else cares about, I don't think a lot of people care about all of it all. Yeah. We care about Ella. We care about Char. Yeah. The main characters. Yeah. And and Hattie getting what she deserves. And the stepmom. Oh. And the dad. The dad actually bothers me. The dad bothers me a lot. Like, especially in the beginning when he's like, him and Dame Olga are, like you said, they're cut from the same cloth. They both care so much more about um, money and power and status. Then. Where they, what their status is within the community. Um, and I think that it's interesting because in the beginning we see that Ella's mother is actually a really kind and down to earth person. And she seems very genuine. Yeah. And it's like, how did she end up with this guy? And then you kind of have to remind yourself, like, marrying for love is still a relatively new concept. Like, within the last couple hundred years, for yeah. the most part, marriages were made for advent advantage convenience it was a partnership outside of affection for the other person and so you have to wonder if that's how they ended up together because otherwise these two people 
they, they just don't seem like they would have a good partnership. It doesn't seem like they would provide the other person with what they need to have a successful partnership. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. What are some of your favorite parts after reading this? I like the ogre part <laughs> where she tricks the ogres by like, cause she, she uses their own, you dare use my own spells against me, Potter. Okay. It's something that Brandon and I say <laughs> to each other all the time. We, oh, I love it. I love it. Like, so sometimes I'm very dramatic. And Brandon has picked up... I know, right? (laughs) Shocking. And so Brandon has picked up on that, and now he does it back to me, and so then I'll just go, you dare use my own spells against me, Potter. But that's basically what she does. She uses their own spells against them and mocks them. Because she's so good at learning. And I think that's something else that, that we don't really... It's kind of... Nobody else sees it in the book. Like, how good she is at learning new languages and things like that. Well, Char. He's the only one. I think Char, uh, but I don't necessarily, I don't know. Char's just, he's very impressed by it. But, like. He's very impressed when he sees it. He's like, wow, how did you do that? If her dad would have seen that, he probably Mm would have used it for monetary gain. Oh, absolutely. And so would the stepmother. And... But she's she's able to to go through and speak to these ogres in their own language and convince them not to eat her and convince them to get all tied up so that way they're they're caught and she what did she catch seven of them? It's so impressive like that she could do that. Because that's that's her skill, her strength is her her mind, yeah, her intelligence, and that's such a cool concept. Because a lot of times Cinderella's gift is that she's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm saying Ella probably isn't pretty, but like it's just nice that that like her the main takeaway is not like well Ella's beautiful and now she doesn't have to scrub the the fire anymore. Instead, yeah. it's like Ella's brilliant. Yeah. She's very smart, and she she doesn't need finishing school, which yeah, is also doesn't. hilarious, the finishing school part. All of the finishing school stuff is just, like, chef's kiss. Yeah. And we get... <laughs> Except we get, for her being like, I'm not going to eat. That part, I'm like, girl, you need food. What are you doing? The fact that we also get the tie-in to that, uh, the, the Fairest book. I do recommend yeah, both of I them. I do like that. And this this is a series. Let me look up. I know there's Fairest Ever and the Two Sisters, but and I think Ogre Enchanted too. But there's several books in this series, and they are all super duper good. I like highly recommend. The Two Sisters is on my list. It's I'm actually on the the wait list for it. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so it's Ella Enchanted, Ogre Enchanted. The Two Sisters of Bamar, Fairest, and Ever. Um, Ever, okay. Yeah, and I need to remember. Ever is a really good one, too. And Fairest is Snow White? That makes sense, because of the way that she looks. Because the way she talks about herself, she's like, I'm very pale, and she's got the dark, dark hair, and really red lips. And I'm like, girl, you sound like you're talking about me. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) So... Theris is 
a time, once upon a time, there was a girl who wanted to be pretty. Um, she, so, uh, is it Aza, Aza? She, she likes to Aza. sing. She's the fairest singer in all the land, but she's like super unusual. She's not very pretty. She's not very bright. And so people don't really, um, uh, connect with her. They don't find her appealing. Um, because she just doesn't have the beauty that everybody else has. So her parents like hide her in the end. They do, she's so ugly that her parents like won't let her leave because they don't want people to see her. Um, and then Lucinda gives her this magic mirror. No, um, it's not and... Lucinda who gives her the magic mirror. Oh, who is it? So she doesn't get the magic mirror. She gets to go. It's been a while since I've read yeah. this one. So maybe you should give the summary because I'm like trying to remember. So she she asks so she she gets to the only people that she really hangs out with at the the inn are the gnomes because the gnomes don't think that she's she's not as ugly as other humans is what they say to her. Mhm. And so she, gnomes are they can tell the future and so she asks if they'll ever if she'll ever be beautiful and they say that she will look different the next time that he's that they see her. Okay. And so they have a particular guest that comes through with a handmaiden and the handmaiden gets sick. So she gets to go to a wedding for the king of her. What's the, now I got to go look it up of her. Oh, Aortha. Aortha. Yep. She gets to go to the, the Aorthian um, wedding. And while there, she becomes friends with the, the queen. And that's where we, we get the mirror, the magic mirror. The magic okay. mirror is actually in possession of the, of the queen. And I'm trying not to give too much away. I know and it's she, hard. And so from there, we have some, some things happening and she does eventually become beautiful. Um, and some Snow White shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> and she does eventually make her way back to the gnomes area. And we find out some like very distinct characteristics about her. And um, what actually makes her beautiful. It's a... It's, a really good story. And and you really should listen to the audiobook because all the singing is great. I love it. The singing is the best part about it. Yeah. Like and I, I remember reading it as a kid and not appreciating it. The audiobook like if I was to find the audiobook just out there in the wild, I would pick it up. Because <laughs> I've got I think I've, it's one of the audio I think it's one of the audiobooks I own. Yeah, I would I would like go on my phone. Pick it up. So what are the other ones? The other ones we have ever Basically, the main character, Kezi, falls in love with the god of wind and loneliness. And it's star-crossed lovers because he's a god and she's not. Ogre Enchanted is really fun. It's this young girl named Evie. And she has, like, the power to heal people through medicine. So she doesn't actually have, like, a, a magical ability. She just does it with, like, diagnosing symptoms and prescribing medications. And uh, Lucinda wants to like help her possess her powers and she says no and so to punish her lucinda turns her into an ogre and so the book is about her trying to become a a girl again yay 
the two sisters of Bamar, it's these, they're not twins, but they're like, they, they kind of interact as twins and um, they are opposite. You know, one of them is like very fear, fearful and shy. And one of them is very open and um, brave and outgoing. And um, there's a disaster that happens at their castle in their country. Um, and they have to work together to save their kingdom of Bamar. Um and so if you want to read the books in order, it's Ella Enchanted first, then the two princesses of Bamar, then Fairest, and then Ever, and then Ogre Enchanted, and then The Lost Kingdom of Bamar, which is the last book in this series. And it is about um, uh, the main character, Perry Green, who wants to save her people and impress her parents. Um, but unfortunately, she is visited by a fairy named Helena, um, who reveals that she's not who she thinks she is, and she's about to be replaced by the real person. So yeah, it's just a very interesting series overall, if you read all of them. And if you're like, man, Bethany, that's like five books. I don't have time for that. You guys, they're like two or 300 pages. They're not that long. I think yeah. the audiobook is like four hours. Yeah, I'm over here looking at all my all my random books that you know <laughs> my giant series is that I've read right <laughs> I you don't know, know um I feel like we probably talked in circles but I just I think we probably covered everything I just really loved this book I'm sure there's lots of stuff that we didn't get into um but we will take a moment to talk about what we currently are reading oh my goodness I'm reading well I just finished the Merciless, and I read the first two books. I think I showed I showed you one of them. Well, I guess I don't have that one. Um, and I don't know if I want to read the third one or not, because it's a prequel, and I don't know how I feel about reading a prequel as a third book. Mm. So I'm on the fence on if I want to read it, and my library just got the fourth book, so I'm, I'm probably going to read them eventually. That's I'm fair. reading Mistborn, which it... M- Merciless is weird as hell. <laughs> Sorry, okay. I should have explained. Okay, okay. I should have explained before I went on. It was the weirdest book that I ever read. It's a young adult book, but it's like horror, and I didn't know what the hell was going on. So like, it was a very slow start, and I was like, "What's happening in this book? Why is all this happening?" And it never really gets explained what's happening. It's like higher evil is influencing these decisions and you never get an explanation. Right. So like, that's why I kind of want to finish reading the two, the next two books. They're super, super quick. I, I had the first book checked out for three hours and finished it. Nice. Yeah. And then, um, I'm reading Mistborn. Um, that one is my workout book right now because at work, I'm not allowed to have anything electronic. So, like, I can't bring my Kindle. So, I have real books these days. <laughs> and then I'm listening to, like I already said, the Princess Diaries books. But I'm on a wait list right now to continue that series. And I'm listening to the Star Wars Tarkin <laughs> book. And I'm going um, to go through and listen to those while I'm waiting for the princess books to come through. Nice. What are you reading, Bethany? (laughs) Oh, so much. So I'm reading the Love Handles series by Holly Jacob, which is 
like 200 page rom-coms that are really funny and they're all there's like four of them and they're all set in the same universe okay. from the 90s and it's WLVH is the radio station okay and each book goes back to the radio station so the first one the radio station has a contest and it's one boy and one one boy one man and one woman in a truck and whoever lives in the truck the longest gets to keep the truck Okay. The second book is the two hosts of of the WLVH. And then the third one is a different host from that. And then the fourth one is um, one of the characters from the first book's best friend. Okay. Um, and so they're really funny. They're like 200 pages. They're super, super short. But I was really stressed out with Bloodlines and I needed a break because I'm in the fourth book, you guys. If you've read Bloodlines, I just started the fourth book. You know how much anxiety I'm about to have. (laughs) So I needed like something to calm me down. Um, Also, later this month, I'm going to do an episode with Robin Rowe, who wrote Dark Room Etiquette, which comes out October 11th. Psychological thriller. Ooh. So definitely out of my comfort zone. And then my friend Arnez Flores, who's a wonderful author, she has a sequel to her book, The Firebird Song, coming out soon. And I'm going to read the sequel, which is called Spirit Queen. So everybody should go read those. And then I did make a list. (laughs) I know you can Google, like, what books should you read after Ella Enchanted? But I'm a librarian, so... I came up with my own list. So here's the thing. If you liked Ella Enchanted because it is a retelling, then I recommend the Princess Academy series by Shannon Hale. Okay. Or the Frog Princess series by E.D. Baker. If you liked Ella Enchanted because it's the story of a young person able to overcome the odds no matter what stands in their way, I recommend Beauty by Robin McKinley. If you love Enchanted, because it is a story about a girl who is dealing with some stuff in her life, I recommend Star Girl by Jerry Spinelli and The Princess Diaries yes. by Meg Thomas. <laughs> and if you liked Ella Enchanted because you just can't help but love a boy and girl who fall in love in a in a fairy tale setting, then I recommend Anything by Shannon Hale or the Wide Awake Princess series by E.D. Baker. So, And of course, you can probably Google stuff like that on your own. But I know sometimes we like books for different elements. We don't necessarily like it just because it's a retelling. So I feel like if you Google, you're just going to get a bunch of retellings. So I tried to put more thought into what I recommended. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I'm all over the place with my books. I just go through (laughs) such moods. Like, I really, I love the Bloodline series. I really do. But if you've read it, then you understand that, like, the first three books are so good. And there's, there's obviously a lot of, like, stuff going on. But in the fourth book, we take a very sharp turn okay. and it gets really scary okay. in a very real way. Okay. And it goes from like, this is the drama that'll probably be solved by the end of this book to we're going to need multiple books to figure this out. Oh, one of those. So it's like, I need to finish this book. Yay, I'm done. And you can move on to the next book. But by the time you get to book four, it's like, you're not going to have the full circle of this until the end of the sixth book, which is still another three books away. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. So 
Yeah. I, I want to finish it, but I needed a break. And then also I have a couple authors that have sent me advanced copies. And so I kind of feel the need to read those before I reread mm-hmm. a book I've already read multiple times. <laughs> After I'm done with my Mistborn, the first three of the Mistborn books, I'm going to read something blue. Oh my god, yes! I'm so excited. Oh, my God. Can I yeah. hug you through Zoom? Yes, you can. Oh, my God. Can you text me the entire time you're reading it? Yes, I can. Yeah, I'm going to – I just have to get through those. Again, the audiobook, really good. For those of you who don't understand why I'm freaking out, Something Blue is my happy book. I love that book. As much as I love young adult, which, you know, I do. There's something very comforting about a 30-year-old woman who's coming of age and not a 16-year-old person (laughs) coming of age. Because I think we have a coming-of-age experience multiple times throughout our lives. That and Darcy has some massive, massive character growth. Like, just astronomical character growth. And God, I just love that book. I'm so excited for you to read it. Like, I'm spazzing out right now. And I just finished it, too. Like, I just did a reread two weeks ago. (laughs) All right. Well, maybe we'll have to do another bonus episode for Something Blue when I read it. Oh, my God. I would do it. Are you kidding? Yes, I would do it right now. (laughs) Thank you for coming. Yes, thank you for having me. It's always a delight. Do you want to remind people where they can find you on social media if they would like to do so? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I'm ash.smash.93, and it's open, so you can just follow me. I don't post a lot, but when I do, it's fun stuff. I need to post my hat picture. Yes. I got a new hat at Ren Fair, and it's obnoxious. Love it's it. Got like a, it's got a foot feather. Like, nice. how long the, fo- the feather is. It's, it's a foot. And it's white. And everybody was like, you're so brave having a white hat. And I'm like, yeah, it matches everything extra love it love it It (laughs) so yeah you can find the podcast everywhere at prince kyphion pod you can find me everywhere at bethany finger this time i'm gonna say don't let anybody else's curse stop you from living your best life be a rebel (laughs) don't get cursed be a rebel be a rebel yes be yourself don't let anybody else be what tell you what to be yes and if they make fun of you, they're not your real friend. This this was a friendship episode. <laughs> it wasn't even like intentional. It just it like just organically happened yeah. that way. Yeah. All right, everyone. Uh, thank you for being here. Keep reading. Keep listening. And until next time, don't get cursed. Bye. Don't get cursed. Bye. I refused to become a princess, but adopted the titles of court linguist and cook's helper. I also refused to stay at home when Shar traveled and learned every language and dialect that came our way. When we left the children behind, my magic book kept us informed of their doings. Decisions were a delight after the curse. I loved having the power to say yes or no, and refusing anything was a special pleasure. My contrariness kept Shar laughing, and his goodness kept me in love. And so, with laughter and love, we lived happily ever after. clips that you heard today are from Eden Rigel's performance of Ella Enchanted by Gail Carson Levine. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger and today's special guest was Ash. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo and the logo art was created by Sunlit Tangles on Instagram. Thank you for listening!